Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, I am so excited to bring you a new guest today, and I just met her for the first time in person, uh, but I am already in awe of her just because of all the things she has going. This is Megan McClarney. Not only... Is she a registered dietitian and nutrition therapist for Nebraska Medicine? Like, you could stop the business card, stop the resume right there, and it would be super impressive. But she also runs two very successful food businesses. There is Gravy Train Omaha, a pop-up that can be found at Omaha Farmer's Markets throughout the spring and summer and various other events, and the Omaha Soup Company, which is a burgeoning line of make-at-home soup kits that you can pick up probably at your local Hy-Vee. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I want to get into each of your ventures separately, but first mm-hmm. I feel like I have to just ask you, just how? Like you're one person <laughs> and you've got all this mm-hmm. stuff going on. How do you do it? And just how crazy do you have to be to take all this on yourself? Wow. Uh, that's a, Well, how is it I don't do it all? So um, I have a lot of great help and partners. Um, so like Gravy Train is me and my husband. And over the years, he's like learned how to make the gravy, learn how to make a biscuit. He does all the um, all the like the background work that's, that's actually the biggest part of the work. So um, he's everything with that. And, um, you know, he also makes sure I don't oversleep, which is a big part. <laughs> like a very, very important. Yeah. Business. So, um, and, and then the Omaha soup company, my partner, Scott Brownlee, he, um, he is like the business brain guy. So he makes sure that, you know, payrolls in on time and he's always ordering, he gets his better prices. Cause I'll just spend whatever. I'm like, I want it now. So I don't care if it's twice the price per pound. And <laughs> Scott's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, he keeps me in check and he does, he does so much. And at times he's done the majority, you know, we kind of, we partner up and like when one person has time, the other picks up, you know, picks up the weight there. Um, but I, I love my jobs. Like every single thing I do is extremely important to me and I don't do anything else. So there's like no fat, you know, in my life. And, um, that's, that's the recipe, you know? So everything I do, it's with people that I trust that I can lean on and it's work that I care about and it gets me out of bed in the morning and it keeps me up late at night sometimes, but it's all stuff that I love doing. Mm-hmm. So it's easy. As long as you love doing it, it's yeah. not hard to do. And speaking of love, how did you, or maybe where did you develop such a deep love for food? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I was probably, it's probably in my DNA, I think. Because some people are just wired that way, you know. Uh, yeah, um, I've, I'm one of them. You get yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> I understand like this. Wired for food because my first memories are food memories. So sometimes I ask myself, well, am I a product of my environment or is what what is this? But I, I come from a long line of foodies and food entrepreneurs. And my mom, who passed when I was seven years old, but she was a caterer and like my first memories are her c- teaching me to cook and stirring the pot on the floor, you know, and my dad talking about like, oh, you got to try your mom's chili rellenos tonight, you know, and hyping me up for the meal. And grandma, like if you go to visit her, she'd like put on a whole full like chicken in the pot and like cook soup from scratch, you know, when you show up at her house. And so it was like part environment, part genetics, but, um, but I was raised in it. So 
you know, my mom was a caterer, then my dad remarried, and he married a, a woman who wanted to start like a breakfast restaurant in California. We're from we're from the Bay Area, San Francisco. And, uh, you know, they just, they were newlyweds and they had a lot of energy and they had to feed their kids. And so they did it and they opened up like a little diner inside of a bar. It was literally like a hole in a wall. Um, so I saw that and I saw them working and doing that and making a life for themselves. And um, that's all I've ever known. It, it just went from there. Like when we moved to Nebraska when I was a kid, my mom used to spend her summers here. She's part of one of those big Catholic families that is well known to Omaha that, you know, they lots of kids, and so she'd come for summers and spend the summers here. Anyway, brought us back here, and we ended up working at Lisa's Radial Cafe now. It was just the Radial Cafe then, <laughs> and mom, my mom's name is Lisa. So anyway, she, um, she started running the restaurant for them, and then eventually we bought it as a family. And I, I wasn't even aware of this. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. Wow, so I totally missed this part of the story. A lot of layers of my food history. That's it's, amazing. Yeah, that's so I was, I mean, I was cooking, you know, as a kid. I was training cooks and waiters as a tween, you know. So that's, it was kind of like necessity. Mom and dad needed me to do it. I was the oldest kid, and. That's how I learned how to cook because I was taking care of my sisters when they were late nights at the restaurant trying to meet deadlines and things. So it was just, it's everywhere. It's love. It's necessity. It's, it's comes naturally to me because of that, I think. But, um, I got bit by the bug early and having foodie parents, like very blue collar foodie parents, our vacations and our our special occasions were always centered around food. Like that's where our budget went. <laughs> you know, if we were going on a vacation. It's all about what restaurants we were going to eat. And those were the kind of memories that at least were wired in my brain from those experiences. But mom and dad made it important that we try new foods and um, experience the world through food. Really. You are just speaking to my soul you right now, it. like budgeting around food. <laughs> totally. Most people do not understand when I explain that to them. They're like, how do you eat out so much? And I'm like, this is what we do for fun. Yeah. I don't have the best stereo system. Yeah. I don't have the biggest tires on my car, but I got like really good food. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I enjoy it in the moment. <laughs> okay. So a lot of times when I talk to people who grow up in the restaurant world, they either go in one of two directions. They either really gravitate towards food and they really like it, or they see the long, hard hours. Mm -hmm. They kind of get burnt out on it, and they run as fast as they can in the opposite direction. Why do you think you trended more on the former side and you really embraced food? Is it because yeah. food wasn't just a job, but it was because your parents made it enjoyable as well, kind of like you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, my my mom, um, so my stepmom also passed. She died about four years ago at Christmas. And, you know, she would beg me not to have the life she had. <laughs> she was like, I would love to sell this restaurant. You should go, like, you know, go be a doctor. <laughs> and and so I kind of split the, the difference and became a dietitian, I guess. Um, but uh, I love hard work. Like, that gives me purpose. I'm... I guess like growing up with um, a, like a, a sense of service and we all have to find our vocation or our way of being in service of people and food was the way I did it. Um, it was also a way that I could connect to people anywhere I was. So like growing up the way I did, my parents were like met in a rock band in California. I mean, you, you fill in the blanks like 
I did a lot of living as a young person, moved a lot, lived with very strange situations. And I never totally felt like I was very shy and like didn't fit in and new kid every year at every new school. But food was like this thing I could talk to anybody about, you know, so it it does give me like a sense of purpose and service. Like I can find what I'm supposed to do anywhere I am because of food. Um, but I, I mean, I love like, I love being in charge of myself. (laughs) I like being my own boss and being able to bring other people up with me, you know, creating great food that, that people can learn how to make, for example, as a dietitian, giving them my superpowers that they can take with them and feed their own families. And it doesn't matter how down on your luck you are, like food can literally bring you wealth in your life. Um, so many ways. Uh, so it's like really, really deep for me, but, uh, I'm just obsessed with it, you know? And so for me, it's not even a choice. Like I, I have to cook, (laughs) I have to cook, I have to eat, I have to, and I want to be a part of what's good. So I don't see like competition, which I think helps because that will burn you out. You know, there's so much good food out there. There's so much good soup out there. There's so much good breakfast out there. If I were like looking around at that as competition, I think it burned me out. Um, so I just self-compete and, like, try to, like, elevate what I do. And it's just a game I'll never get tired of, you know. <laughs> so I'm approaching middle age, and it hasn't worn me out yet, and I don't see any end in sight. So I'm really interested in what you just said there because there are so many great places where people can get breakfast in Omaha. And obviously if they're going to one of those places – they're not going they're not going to go to gravy train and have mm-hmm. breakfast that same morning. Right. How do you get like that laser focus where you're just looking at yourself and you're not allowing <laughs> yourself to see all these other competitors around you but you're just honed in on what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's really about doing your best, you know, and being happy with what's right in front of you. And and sometimes it is like a shorter line, you know. And and I'll say, doesn't this like give us gratitude, you know, for having a little more time to talk to the person in front of me. And and when that person that's been gone three weeks because they tried three new brunch places and they come back and you're excited to see them, it's like you create a bond there too. So yeah, I don't let it shake me, but um, but staying focused is it's really about loving it. So if I don't love if if I don't love what I'm doing, I lose interest really fast. And I've been so lucky, like at the med center, because they let me do different things, and I've grown into like a researcher role and a mentor role. I work with students, I work with med students and pharmacy students and other dietitians, and um, you know, they, just the sky's the limit. There, you can go forever. The balance for me is finding things creatively that, like, reboost my energy because I give a lot, like, spiritually to my patients, you know. Um, and feeding people does that. It's, like, literally, like, feeding people just brings me to, brings me back up. I had a pop-up recently that wasn't very busy, which is not common, you know. Um, luckily, like, the farmer's markets are always packed and people are super loyal there. But instead, I was I was hanging out with... <laughs> homeless people, like feeding them and talking to them and, you know, making sure that they were fed. And that was like, God just put me right here right now. Like I had a gap in my line and looked up and what do I see? It's always something really great, you know? So the people that come support you, they really are like literally sustaining your family and sustaining you and supporting you. So it's really important. And I don't lose sight of that, you know? 
That's beautiful. Just, yeah, seeing value in every customer, regardless of who they are, regardless of how much they're purchasing, but realizing that that's another person there. Totally. We had a server at at the cafe growing up, you know, who was complaining about a certain person that wasn't very easy to wait on and only ordered coffee. It didn't tip a whole lot. And I sat her down and I said, get out the calculator. Put in the amount that that person spends on a regular, on a day. Multiply that by five days a week, <laughs> you know, that and it's like, look at that. Look at what they do. You don't know what they have either. It might be a lot for them. So yeah, it's, it's an awareness that I got from, I think my roots at the cafe. Mm-hmm. Now let, let's tease some taste buds here and start talking <laughs> about some food. And I, I want to get into gravy train first because that came first. Uh, you started selling biscuits and gravy from what, what mm-hmm. I could tell in my research at farmer's markets in 2018 did you develop a love for biscuits and gravy while working at Lisa's Radio Cafe, or, or where did that come from? That's pretty funny. Um, okay, I love biscuits like and gravy <laughs> together. Rarely find like a good one. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's like the food that you like order, and it's usually not good, right? It's like the throwaway thing at most restaurants, and right. can't tell the difference between the biscuit and the gravy, like whatever. My um, my husband, it's his favorite thing. Next to tacos. Tacos were in our wedding vows, but Whoa, biscuits really? and gravy is probably the reason we know each other. He was um, obsessed with biscuits and gravy, he used to come to Lisa's, and um, we were open late, and we served later the most breakfast places. So anyway, he'd come get it because he'd sleep in as a musician, you know the, what their schedules are like. And um, anyway, event, he kind of got a crush on me, and eventually I found out that this was all going on. We dated, and I started like making it for him and stuff, but... Um, it was, it was like... So this is literally a labor of love. Oh, like if I'm going to do a food business, it better be something that Matt loves <laughs> because I need his support, you know? <laughs> so it's either going to be tacos or biscuits. Uh-huh. But we were, we were actually traveling and we saw somebody making hot breakfast at the farmer's market on like a cold day and in Portland. And it was like one of those moments where I looked him in the eye and we didn't even say it out loud. It was like a, we're doing this it's happening. We're doing this. And I became obsessed, like totally full on obsessed about coming back to Oma and getting like a biscuit and gravy tent going at the farmer's market. And I applied like immediately. And of course they didn't even call me back. I think they thought it was like totally crazy. Um, so the next year I applied again and I like th- put up a quick website, which is still like totally unfinished. Cause that was just all just to catch their attention. Um, Cause I knew, I knew it was going to be a thing. I knew this was going to be like a total game changer for Omaha to have this at the farmer's market. And, um, but you know, when I was a kid, like and my mom and dad were busy and, They worked long, long hours running a restaurant. Um, You know, they would just leave a crock pot of gravy on the counter and then you'd put it on whatever you could find. Like sometimes there were biscuits, but sometimes it was toast, you know. Um, So that was like my, like a part of my upbringing that was kind of lonely. And it was just a way to like bring it back full circle and make it a triumph and share that like I didn't have cereal and pop tarts when I was a kid I'd eat the whole box of pop tarts if I had pop tarts because (laughs) I didn't even understand that kids got this every day I always had like awesome hot breakfast so sugar was like a treat for me um but yeah to be able to like bring that tradition and that that level of good food to people um was meaningful to me but we just we just knew like it was like the thought as soon as it occurred it was happening 
and I became completely dead set on it. And I'd make him like drink bottles of wine with me and be like, okay, commit now, commit. Like we're going to, we're going to do this, right? We're doing this. And then we came up with the name Gravy Train. We just laughed our butts off that night about that name. It's um, a great name. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wanted to call it the Classy Biscuit. <laughs> and I was like, your humor's lost on people. Matt. <laughs> He's like, get it because it's not classy. And I'm like, just stop. <laughs> he still wants to change it. Um, but yeah, it was like a, it was one of those like things that once you've thought it, you can't unthink it. And became totally obsessed and it's it's a labor of love it's something I do for him that now I do for our son so we found out we were expecting right after we found out we were in the farmer's market and so then we were like joking how this is like our biscuit baby fund or whatever. Um, and so Asher my son he's like grown up at the farmer's market wow so it just it's so like deeply intertwined now with our identity as a family that I, I can't really shake that. It just seems like kismet, you know. That is so cool. Yeah. And sorry, Matt, but gra- <laughs> Gravy Train is a lot better name the than, classy biscuit. Yeah, than the Classy Biscuit. <laughs> Whoever's out there can just have that name. <laughs> just take it and trademark it so I don't have to deal with this anymore. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned there's a lot of biscuits and gravy. Oh, yeah. And not, not just in Omaha, but we're focusing on Omaha specifically. There's a lot of average to below average biscuits and gravy. This is something Horrible. that someone can kind of just, I should probably put this more delicate, delicately, but they can kind of slop it on a plate and people oh, yeah. will still eat it. So as you're thinking about this concept and starting to develop it, you it's very clear that you are passionate about making a higher level of biscuits and mm-hmm. gravy. Mm-hmm. What did you do to kind of level up your recipes <laughs> to make sure that you were providing something that people would really get behind well like i think with like any any like true cook right we know that every component has to stand on its own so like the gravy's got to be something like my dad and i were like i was sort of a daddy's girl we would just like if there's gravy left in the pan we'd just be like eating it on a spoon <laughs> and now i'm a dietitian and i have to justify that but um <laughs> you know like i'm a sauce girl and i love sauce and it, it's i'm always like well you know everything is sauce like and so it for me my gravy had to be like rock solid on its own um, and then the biscuits, I didn't, um, you know, I wanted to make them a little healthier, obviously, <laughs> but, um, you know, they have to be great and they've got to hold up to the gravy. So it was really kind of tweaking that. And I'd been making biscuits and gravy for like my whole life and working on it my whole life, like never quite perfected it. So I just doubled down and made like one zillion versions of you know, <laughs> everything I did. The m- most important for me is to be inclusive. So I wanted to have like a vegetarian version and a gluten-free version that anybody who would eat it would say it was just as good. Like I, my nightmare was we're going to open and someone's going to walk up and say, what's the best thing? And that my person that's helping me would have like an answer, you know, I don't want you to have an answer to that. Like, it's all great. You got to try them all. I want that to be the answer. So it was kind of a process, but um, fresh herbs. At first, I was growing them myself, and I couldn't grow enough because <laughs> I was making a lot more gravy. Um, so fresh herbs in my gravy, um, local sausage when I can get it. You know, that's taken me time to figure that out. Um, organic flour, um, you know, just good good ingredients that 
make you feel good. Um, really important, mm-hmm. really important. But mostly you just can't have like sad biscuits. Like you can't have like lame biscuits. And I, I love to get a little crunch. I love that yes. little like edge on Nothing's it. Nothing's worse than just a soggy, saturated no, biscuit. so sad. And you know, you just like lit- eating a sponge. Yeah. It's, it's like, where's the gravy versus the biscuit here? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of flavor in my food and it's bold, but as a dietitian, like portion control, that's how I deal with that. I make things taste really great. It's called the French paradox. You know, in France, people eat butter all day and they're very fit and whatever. Well, food tastes good in France, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to eat a lot of it. So my portions are very reasonable, I would say, but it's like really big on flavor. And, um, I, you know, I, I throw in a little more spice than most. Sometimes people are like, why is your gravy that color? Like it's not pure white, you know, there's a little smoked paprika in there. You can get that. But I wanted it to kind of taste like you're at a campfire. Like we're going to be eating it outside. And sometimes May and October are so cold at the farmer's market. So how do you embrace that? And I make different gravies for different occasions. But that one kind of stuck as our like flagship. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So all those things. Good biscuits, good gravy, local ingredients, um, making sure that they stand on their own. And I do get that a lot. Like the keto people are like, can I have a bowl of gravy? I'm like, I don't want to, but I'll give it to you. (laughs) And they do just eat their gravy. Like soup? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is a huge compliment. Yeah. As a dietitian, I kind of like turn the other way. And I'm like, I can't endorse this. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know what you were going to do with it. And then like the biscuit people who are like, oh, I don't like gravy. And I just always kind of giggle. I'm like, okay, that's because you haven't tried it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You've had the biscuits and gravy at the hotel like breakfast bar or whatever don't even go there yeah yeah so I think this is a good chance to highlight that when we're talking about biscuits and gravy this isn't just you know standard biscuit with the normal sausage gravy you guys offer a whole line of different (laughs) biscuits like and these are just a couple that I picked off of Instagram Mm -hmm. but cheddar bacon Mm -hmm. cinnamon roll biscuit strawberry shortcake there are also several different types of gravies, like there's a chorizo, there's a mushroom, there's yeah. sausage, there's all kinds of different types. And you have also expanded into brisket sandwiches with <laughs> sausage and fried chicken <laughs> yep. that look absolutely delicious. How did you develop and evolve that menu over time? So you didn't just have the one mm-hmm. standard offering, but it began to expand and grow. So repeat customers can be like, oh, I got to try this, this, and this, and this. Yeah. Well, like, um, you know, I always cook for my for my audience. You know, that's where I get inspired. I'm My food, it's like it comes from what's available. And part of that just grows up, like, you know, growing up latchkey, got to make dinner. What do we have? <laughs> and you're just pulling it together. Um, so that's how I, that's how like my, my cooking style developed and you go to culinary school and it's like, well, here's this recipe. Well, that's dumb. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can't, that, that's not seasonal. That's not, that's not even cost effective. Like you have to use what, and I love culinary school, but that just the, that pivot, which they're getting a lot better in the new school of teaching people to do. That's really where the inspiration comes from. So being at the farmer's market that being my audience, I had, an idea that I should be using what's around me. Um, I also wanted to use what I was growing, you know, so rhubarb would come in, I'd have a strawberry rhubarb biscuit that week, you know. Um, When I had a lot of extra chives, I'd do like a chive biscuit, (laughs) you know. Um, So that was all like very, very organic, so to speak. Um, And then 
as I met these these people and their booths and I wanted to incorporate what they were doing like like I you know I wanted to welcome them in but also take advantage of the great product we had and bring a spotlight to what they do to keep our market strong so that's been huge um, at gravy train that's very very important to me to use what's there um, and I thought that my customers needed something ex- exciting to like kind of look forward to and a reason to bring them back. And it was sort of like bait, like you're describing, like you got to come back next week because you don't know what I will have. And I find that that's not really needed anymore. Like, in fact, Matt's always like begging me to stop. He's like, stop making new things. Just can we just have an easy week? where we don't, we don't have something new is he has to make memorize what it is and like make a sign for it and all that. But, um, it's so what drives me and keeps me excited and going. So, um, it's fun. And now we're kind of getting to a point where people come up to me with their new products and they're like, Oh, you got to try my new cheese. And like, what are we going to make with this? So, um, it's just really, it's become reciprocal in the farmer's market world at least. And um, it's been it's been really fun. So I do it because I like it, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I would imagine innovation is, that's mm-hmm. a joy for you in yeah. that you don't mm-hmm. just have a standard product, but you can constantly mm-hmm. be tinkering with it and, and working with it and adding a thing here and, oh, maybe that doesn't work, but it inspires you to try something else. Like mm-hmm. that's a common thread that I see yeah. with chefs and cooks mm-hmm. is just the the ability to never have an end point. There is never, you will never have the perfect product. There's always an opportunity to try something else, an opportunity to make it better. And it sounds like that's something that drives you as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. And you know, these ingredients, they like do them justice. Like it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best goat cheese. I, or the best honey or whatever microgreens. I have to use it. I've got to make something with this. This is so delicious. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned you thought, you know, people, or maybe it was even the people at the farmer's market, they thought it might be crazy to just have like, oh, here's a biscuits and gravy stand. Mm -hmm. But you did eventually get into the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. So what was the first whether it was a Saturday or a Sunday that you set up, what was the initial response from people? Were they just kind of walking up and being like, what is this? Or were they like, yeah. whoa, biscuits and gravy, I'm all in. Like, <laughs> what were people doing? Well, I would say, like, the, the farmer's market people, now that, like, they know me and stuff, and maybe they just never had a spot, I don't know. At the time, I was a little insecure, and I thought they thought it was crazy. But um, they just, they've always been so supportive. From, like, the first day, they were, like, posting pictures and getting the buzz. I would say my first week, um, well, we sold out in about an hour. Oh, wow. So, so people liked it, <laughs> I t- yeah. to put it mildly. Yeah, and it was, um, was kind of cool because it was sort of random. Like, it was half me begging people to try it and half, like, people doing like that. They just stop and they literally turn their head and go, what? This is awesome. And, like, they get out like they're... Facebooks and they're like they're like filming me and stuff so I kind of got used to that but it was like look at this what's happening here and I don't know where the videos go but um it's you feel a little bit like a sideshow now it's totally normal like everybody's like oh yeah you gotta go stop by the biscuit and gravy place and um biscuits and gravy is the thing I make because my husband would allow it and I'm really good at it and I really love eating it but yeah, like I wish I had like 10 breakfast tents. Like I have so many loves of things I could make for breakfast for everybody. I just love making it for everybody. But um, yeah, it was, I was literally like having to give samples out to people at first. And they're like, well, let me try your gravy first. And 
now there's a line, so like no one wants to wait in line to get a sample. So whatever, they just buy it because they're they're like, okay, this is probably pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was like one little butane burner, like from like that. I I'm a culinary instructor, so like that's what we use in metro and stuff to teach classes. You got this little tiny flicker and one little pot of gravy on, you know. Um, and a couple jars of biscuits, and they like it's it's grown. The average like Saturday or Sunday now, there's at least three gravies and probably six different kinds of biscuits is typical now. So someone called it a biscuit and gravy bar the other day. <laughs> so yeah, that's what it is. So it's grown a lot. Um, I had to learn a lot. I mean, my market vendors were jumping in and saving me. Like you need weights on your tent it's gonna blow away and like you need the a stuff you don't think about no. yeah and they're like you need a bigger stove and I'm like oh what and so my next door neighbor at the farmer's market um scott and jeremy they um they own pink sugar gourmet and they did like popcorn and cotton candy we were like we're like the comfort food corner this is so rad and they bought me my tent weights that first Aww. week they were like i already got it shipped just pay me back next week <laughs> so then the next week the uh, scott was like um this is the stove you need and he was like showing me pictures on amazon <laughs> and stuff um so i ended up buying the stove and now he's my business partner with omaha soup company so, wow. Yeah. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a good point. I want to make sure if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I, I can't listen to this anymore without tasting this food. Uh-huh. Where can I find gravy train? Yeah. Uh, farmers markets were kind of getting to that time of year where they stop running, but normally Saturdays and Sundays, you guys are at the farmer's market, correct? Yeah. And then other than that, I would say definitely follow gravy train Omaha. That's all one word on Instagram. You guys do a very good job of updating your posts saying here's where we're going to be. You've popped up at places like uh, the Switch mm-hmm. before. So the Switch Beer and Food Hall, that, that's another good one to follow. Is there any other ways that people can stay up to date on where they can find Gravy Train? Yeah, our Instagram and our Facebook are both just Gravy Train Omaha. Um, so they're really easy to find. That's the best way. Um, we'll be at the holiday market this weekend. I don't know when this will air, but um, then we do private catering events. Like uh, one of the most fun things we do is when like a business wants to treat their staff, they'll have us come in and do a, like a private pop-up and make brunch for the staff. And it's crazy fun. It's super fun. I just, I like when I'm walking in, I just have this grin on my face. Like they're all going to freak out. They're going to love their boss, you know? <laughs> so <coughs> cough, cough, King King's workspace. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I, 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 I work at a church called oh. King King's. So. Oh my gosh, you need to do it. <laughs> yes. So yeah, there's, I mean, that's fun. And then um, we do little brunch boxes. So I have a number of families that are just kind of hooked. So they'll, they'll order a big brunch box and I'll pack it with all kinds of homemade jams and fun compound butters for their biscuits and gravy whatever kind they want and biscuits and so yeah you don't have to wait for us to have an event like we will just pop up at your event (laughs) or make it happen at your house for you with a little delivery that's amazing Mm -hmm. hey there listeners we'll get back to my guest in a minute but i gotta remind you one more time about certified piedmontese did you know that just one percent of all cattle raised in the u.s is piedmontese Or that this red meat is so healthy that it's similar in micronutrients to Atlantic salmon and chicken breast? Rare, healthy, and most importantly, delicious. That's a trio that just can't be beat. I'm so confident that you'll get hooked on certified Piedmontese beef like I did that I want to help you try it. When you visit Piedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, 
you'll receive 25% off your order. That's 25% off steaks, burgers, brats, sausages, and even bacon. Yeah, I said it. Beef bacon. It'll change your life. Use my promo code to score a great deal and experience why certified Piedmontese is such a big deal today. And now, back to my guest. Now, I, I want to pivot into talking about Omaha Soup Company a little bit here, but first I want to kind of look at how Gravy Train provided a springboard maybe to start a second business. How did the success at Gravy Train give you the confidence that you could start another company? Because I'm sure, you know, you you mentioned you guys are pretty much all in on doing Gravy Train at first, but there had to have been some pretty heavy nerves about... (laughs) <laughs> is this going to work? Like, is it a good idea? Even if it is a good idea, are we the right people to do it? Like, <laughs> how did having all that underneath you and having done it once give you confidence to do it again? Yeah, well, that's, I think it's all about the people you're with. So, like, when Omaha Soup Company kind of happened, it was, Scott really, really wanted to do it. <laughs> and he found out I could make soup, and then he was sort of, he was obsessed the way I was about Gravy Train. And he kept talking to me like all summer, like we need to, when the season ends, let's start a soup truck. And I had like a trailer that we could have made into a soup truck. And, but I kept telling him like, I don't want to do that. That's, that doesn't tug at my heartstrings. Like there's something more that we could do. I don't know. And he, um, he ended up like applying for us to go to the farmer's market, um, holiday market pop-up and they misunderstood and thought that we were doing soup kits, like dried soup. And he just said yes, because he didn't want to say no. (laughs) And so he called me like, you're going to love me. Are you sitting down? (laughs) And I go, what, what? And he's like, well, I got us into the holiday market. And I was thinking we were going to be selling soup, right? And then he goes, "They, they want us, but they want dried soup. And I'm like, I don't know what dried soup is, Scott, but... I figured it out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, like, his his zeal, his, like, passion and belief in me is a lot. Like, I guess I didn't grow up having a lot of that. Like, I, I wasn't in sports. I didn't have time. My parents worked. You know, there was no, like, dropping Megan off to gymnastics or whatever. Like, I never had a coach. I never had anyone really there. Like, I was the oldest kid in a working family. So, like, when you when people believe in you and they, like, tell you you can do something, that is crazy powerful. So I was like, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> so he believed in me. And um, yeah, I, I spent like two weeks of intensive soup making in my house. Like every night I had to make like three or four soups because I had to figure out recipes. I would work backward from my, my actual soup and make like a dried kit from the like the fresh ingredients that I normally use. So it was insanely challenging. And I'd have like my dietitian friends over and my foodie friends over and you know, they, I make them taste all these soups. <laughs> we ate like soup every night for dinner, but, um, it was the confidence really comes from others. Um, but the, now like where I am today, like now I have this vision for where it can go and what it's going to be. And that comes from what we've done, you know? So there's confidence now from experience. Like we thought this was going to be a pop-up gig that we did for extra cash, like during the holidays. And, um, you know, like kind of a, an Etsy type operation, which some Etsy are huge, but, um, I never, I never thought it would be this big. And, and we, um, we went to the holiday market. We sold out in two hours, what we brought for the whole weekend, kind of freaked out, had to call all the troops in, make more soup all night, did like an all nighter 
sold it again in two hours the next day. And then Scott and I were like, you know, we talked to our spouses and we're like, going to probably make this a real thing. Let's get like a permanent shop. Let's go big with this. And um, we did. We got keys to a shop and um, the pandemic shutdown happened three days later. <laughs> so that was at that point where all of our like close friends and family were like, maybe you could get out of your lease. <laughs> and I just, um, I never felt like such a bigger calling or confidence at that than that moment, even though that probably should have been like the moment where I was the most scared or the most like totally ready to just go back to my easy life clocking in at the med center and not, you know, having this investment looming. Um, but I was like, people don't, you know, they, they're afraid to go outside. The restaurants are closed. They're people, cooking at home more than ever. And they, yeah, and at that time, no one knew how. It was like the day one um, of this pandemic. And, and I was like, I, I have food and they don't, you know, like people need to eat. We have to do something. And there were at the time, like lines of people at all the pantries and you know, people are scared to scared to go out, scared to go to the grocery store, but they didn't have all the delivery stuff figured out yet. So we just we put up a website. <laughs> we like launched super fast. We were we thought it would, we were going to kind of ease into it and let the holiday pop ups like pay our rent for you know the year until the farmers market started. And like it was a very very chill business plan, like a kind of break even type business plan. But then we, um, I mean, I just saw this need and um, we just went for it. All of us like all in you know, working, I'd be there in the shop before work, making soup or like after work. And my husband was there doing it. And even my like mother-in-law and grandma was there making soup sometimes. And, um, but we got it off the ground and, you know, there were supply shortages that happen, still do. And it's like, you know what? Remember who we are. Like we can make a new soup. (laughs) We just make a different soup. If they don't have tomato powder, let's make a different soup, you know? So that confidence of just like it's partly the the belief others have in you um that support is like you can't put a price on that but and then just like seeing that we were able to scale up and we were able to help each other with our different talents like you know scott's just got this incredible like savvy about him and he's so like excited about things i could never say no to him ever so if I ever had a bad day, like, I don't even remember it because <laughs> he'd be calling me, what are we going to do tomorrow, you know? And um, and then, you know, our spouses were there to, like, hold us up, you know? So you just keep going. Well, I think the beauty of Omaha Soup Company is, like, as great as something like Gravy Train or a restaurant is, those places are open at specific hours mm-hmm. for specific times. Yeah. And you can't. You know, you can't always just pick up, like, there might be some time where you only have an hour to have a meal, and you can't go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. but you can go to your cupboard, mm-hmm. and most people, myself included, cannot whip up, like, a restaurant-quality meal <laughs> within 30 minutes or whatever, but with these soup kits, I can do something like that, and just to to tell my quick introduction to Omaha Soup Company as as a selling point for anyone who's wondering, you know, can I do this, like... We just happened upon this at a farmer's market mm-hmm. one weekend and saw the soup kits and my wife and I were like, man, like four or five of these sound really good. Let's at least try one. And we tried the zesty Italian rigatoni. Oh, yeah. We're sold immediately. Like first bite, it was like, yeah, we should have gotten more. And I think <laughs> the next time I saw them at Hy-Vee, I got, I, I don't even know how many more. But the beauty of it is all you have to add to the soup is water mm-hmm. to 
to make it into something great. Now you can, the, one of the great things about soup is you can always add more things. You can add veggies, you can add onions, you can add, yeah. you know, uh, some proteins if you want to. How important was it for you to make something really easy for people to make that didn't sacrifice flavor? It's, um, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a non-negotiable. <laughs> it has to be totally easy. It has to, you have to like, you should be able to make most of our products with just water. And um, it has to taste like something you would buy at a restaurant. Like those are, that's just me. You know, I would never serve anyone anything less than that. Like it's got to, I'm a gourmet cook, you know. I mean, yeah, I'm, <laughs> um, I, I shy away from the term chef. But like I, you know, that's that's me. That's, I put out great food and I come from like a really humble space, but I studied in very fine dining, you know, and, and that's really, really a passion of mine to bring fine food to people. But, um, it has to be really easy. It has to be great. You know, if food is too complicated, people don't enjoy it as much. Um, and I saw that in fine dining too, (laughs) you know, so it's just like, it has to be easy. And, and sometimes we would get into a situation where we're like, Oh, what if we just took this ingredient out and said, add this in the instructions? And I'm like, yeah, but then it wouldn't be. You're just adding a barrier. It wouldn't, Yeah, it's a barrier. And I don't know if you've ever bought soups like that, but I have. And I thought I was buying, I can make soup from scratch anytime. Love it. Like chop challenges, give me a basket of stuff. I make soup, you know, um, I love it. But sometimes I buy, I call it to my patients as a dietitian, I call it the emergency meal, like whether it's a frozen pizza in the freezer or whatever. But, you know, if you could do something a little healthier, like a soup kit, um, you know, buy those things. I'm curious about them. And you get it home and it's like, oh, you need a pound of chicken and a two quarts of stock and an onion and it takes two hours and not as advertised <laughs> and then they'll list like zero sodium on the label but then you've added all this salty stuff to it so it's very dishonest and i just wanted it to be easy to understand you know like this is the nutrition content of the soup because you're not adding chicken broth to it or whatever which changes it um and you don't need anything and literally if you're like a, a college student in a dorm with just like a little burner and water or someone who um, is just in a hurry, you know, I wanted it to be easy either way. But those were definitely, like, very, very serious non-negotiables. We've, like, branched into a couple product lines now where you add what I would call pantry ingredients. It's just minimal things like a pound of meat or a little bit of olive oil or, or vegetable oil or something. But even that, like, I really, really push it to, like, okay, can how generic can we make this ingredient? Like, just, you know... Can it be any kind of oil? I don't really want to put another barrier there, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I think this is an interesting point where your background as a as a professional dietitian really comes in because so many soups are just loaded with sodium. Right. They're loaded down with, with uh, fat and cream and <laughs> things like that. But yours aren't. And, and you list the nutrition facts. They're very healthy and they're good like well-rounded options. How did you develop such deep flavors in these soups without falling back on the common fatty, unhealthy sources of flavor? Yeah. Thank you for noticing that. <laughs> it's really important to me. Um, it's, uh, 
you know, it takes a lot of dedication. Like, you know, I'll have to play around with recipes and I always tell people, you know, you can really, really increase spices and herbs and, and cut down on salt, sugar, fat, whatever it may be. Um, creating like a creamy texture is part of what I do. So like using like natural thickeners, like lentils, for example, um, like dried tomato, it, it brings like a richness to the food. So you can get that, um, that texture, that mouthfeel, that flavor other ways. It costs me more, you know, it's, it's not cheap to make amazing soup, but, um, you know, it's so worth it. And sometimes I have to like go through a lot of versions of a recipe and Scott will be like, it's good, but try again. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, but come on the, the sodium Scott, I don't want him like, I think it needs a little more salt. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so how can I get around this? Well, you know, sometimes you can, you can play around with things like, um, you know, increasing like the, the vegetables in the, in the recipe to stretch it a little more and dilute the salt per serving, for example. But let's go back to flavors and like, oh, my proudest thing is, is like our spice pantry <laughs> inside the shop. There's so many things there. Some of it is, you know, very, very pricey for us, like saffron and, you know, French mushrooms and truffle powders and things like that. But like a little bit goes a long way and it brings so much flavor. And if I can cut salt that way or, you know, make it taste like something you get at a restaurant, then it's totally worth it. The sticker shock sometimes when we have to buy it, you know, 20 pounds of it at a time, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Um. And again, the same thing goes for the grocery store aisle. Like if you're in Hy-Vee and you see a can of Campbell's soup and you see a package of the Omaha Soup Company, those prices are not going to be the same. They're also not even close to the same quality of product. Like it's, I don't even know if you can consider those two things like the same food group really. So I I just want to say that as well. I also want to, like we did with the biscuits, tease out some flavors. Um, And these are just a couple that I've seen and experienced myself or saw on Instagram or on on your website. I guess they're all listed on the website. Uh, Grandma's Sunday soup, corn chowder, tortilla soup, Moroccan tomato, uh, the truffle mushroom risotto. My wife and I tried that. That's our personal favorite. We love that one. We're going to be doing the jambalaya this week, so I'm really excited for that. What are some of the best sellers and what is your personal favorite? Oh my gosh. Um, well, it really depends on where we are. So we're, we're in all the high V's in the Omaha area and the Lincoln area. And that, that happened really fast this year. It was amazing. Um, and different high V's like sell different soups. So that's really funny. There are personalities like food personalities in different Whoa. neighborhoods, <laughs> which I know that's I'm cool. really totally into like the food anthropology of it. I'm like, wow, our city is so fascinating. Like, Oh my gosh, I could just like eat in Omaha forever. But um, so like in Papillion, we sell a lot of like Thai coconut and jambalaya because people are, they travel a lot there. So you have a lot of military and, you know, from Bellevue area and stuff. So some of those go really well. And then like Midtown, you get a lot of like the classics, the corn chowders and the grandma Sundays go really well there. So it really depends um, where you're at, where you are. Um, some of the vegan options go better in, in different neighborhoods than, and, and placement in the store kind of matters. But, um, what I find is if someone has a good experience with one, then they're really open to trying like diff- things that they maybe wouldn't have tried before. So as I mean, just as a dietitian and a foodie, that's like my mission in life, like complete, like to get someone to try something new, 
and be open and and like that's and it's healthy it's everything to me like to get people eating um you know and sharing meals together that's where like gravy train really fills my cup in that way um but you know the soup company gets people cooking that's like a life skill that will bring you wealth you know in so many ways just like you know comfort um saving your money good nutrition (laughs) you name it my favorite oh man okay Gosh, that's that's hard. I the one I made for me, the soup I made for me, is the creamy lemon chicken, and we laugh about it because it's not creamy. <laughs> so, not very creamy. It has a really creamy mouthfeel. It's um, it's like no calories first of all, so you can add all kinds of stuff to it if you want to. I always add a little like rotisserie chicken. That's like my. That's my backup plan. I always have chicken in the fridge. Like, throw it into anything and it right. makes it it's into perfect. a meal. Yes. <laughs> you know, some people say soup's not a meal, and I'm like, well, if you put enough like hearty like uh-huh. vegetables and a little meat if you want, like it really is a meal. Um, so creamy lemon chicken for me is like the soup. When I eat it, I feel like I'm like sitting with my grandmother. Like she, she's Maltese and um, and Mexican. I so I, I I have these like influences in my cooking. You know, the Mexican and the Mediterranean. Um, but it's, it's really lemony, but it's, it's like real lemon <laughs> and finding good real lemon is, was a challenge, but it's just so comforting. And I could just eat that every day. Matt was eating it for breakfast for a while, which was kind of weird, but he was just on this like, and he kept losing weight. He was like getting all skinny <laughs> because it's very low in calories, but it was like, yeah, it's just not, it's not caloric, Matt. But I love that. But then one. he can just go back to biscuits and gravy, and oh. problem solved. Yeah, there, and he just does. Alter, alternate between those <laughs> right. two, the high and the low. Yeah, uh, creamy lemon chicken is so good, and it's gluten free. Most of them are, so like that's just nice. Like I can I can serve that to anyone. Anyone would like that. You know that soup. It's classic. It's um, but it's a little different. There's never lemon in anything. Like I love lemon in everything. Well, my my maiden name literally translates to lemon tree or something like that in Maltese. Wow. So I think it is in my DNA, but like, um, like I just love like a little hint of like fresh citrus in any soup. We'll like float a little lime or lemon in it and it's so much better. Um, so to be able to do that in a dried soup was like a big accomplishment for me. Okay. Creamy lemon chicken. That is going on my grocery list. It's, like as soon as I get home, yeah. I need to try the way that you just described it. I want some right now Super and I can tell my wife that it'll make me thinner, yep. which is always a win. Uh, <laughs> Put some crackers on the side. There you go. So this, this is a great point. We've talked about how, uh, these, these soups are available in Hy-Vee's also Omaha soup company.com that's omaha mm-hmm. soup and then company spelled out not just co Thank but you. actually spelled out.com you can b- purchase any of them add them to your cart on the site get them delivered so just wanted to make sure people know where they can get them thank you i am fascinated by the process and this is going back to something we discussed i don't even know 15 minutes ago but when you were talking about starting with the final product mm-hmm. and then reverse engineering it into a dried product that is purchased in a package. Like that is just such a fascinating process to me. Can you kind of walk me through that? How does that work? Yeah, well, I had to because there is no like school of dried soup dot com like there's not <laughs> Dried soup for dummies oh my gosh, like nothing. In fact, a dietitian friend like she she gave me a leg up and she said, 
Well, no, my mom makes a jambalaya that's like mostly dried stuff. There's a few cans of things added and yada, yada, but maybe you could start with that. So the jambalaya like started with her mother's like favorite jambalaya recipe that I like worked backwards. I had to figure out, okay, this much tomato and tried it. And then I made it with tomato powder and like not enough tomato, too much tomato. (laughs) So, you know, I had to work around that. But eventually, you know, you do that so many times that you kind of figure out, okay, this much onion powder is about how much I need for an eight and a soups. I'll make like eight cups of soup. So it's like a full pot of soup. Um, you know, you kind of figure that out, but there were like a few random, like uh, survivalist websites out there where people go backpacking and they like bring these little pouches of dried stuff and they make soup, but their soups take two hours because they're putting it out on like a big pot on you know the campsite. So it's, it was like, there's nothing out here. So I had to start from that. And I wanted, well, we had started, we did a couple pop-ups with, like, soup soup, thinking we were going to have a soup truck. And, and we did, like, two of those. We had this crazy response. People were like, we love your soup. And they would take, like, they'd come back in after a bowl, and then they'd bring, like, all these to-go containers and stuff and be like, load me up. I want all the soup. And um, and then it was like, well, we can't let them down. Like, we have to sell those soups. These are our first customers, you know. So the creamy lemon chicken used to be very creamy the way it started. But anyway, so I had to work that one backwards. I had to work our jambalaya backwards and our, you know, you name it. Um, but it was a process. And it was, I ate a lot of soup for <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks. Um, but, you know, it was, it's just like, the I my food has to be mine you know I don't copy things like I just could never it it has to be inspired like what's your inspiration you know um so we start I always start with like I can like taste I can like I don't know how to describe this but I'll have like a flavor I'm chasing like something you know I have it in my mind and then I have to like nail it in real life how did you (laughs) how did you get into high V? Because I, I, I like th- that sounds like a huge step. Like it's one yeah. thing to sell at events and farmers markets, but to be in Hy-Vee every day mm. in that soup aisle in front of yeah. thousands of eyeballs as they walk by—that is a huge boon for business. How, how does one even get there? You know, um, I, I kind of panicked. We, we were still on that model of like doing pop-ups and events, and all everything got shut down when we went into biz and. Um, I was getting really scared. Like, how are we going to pay the rent? <laughs> and then I had worked at Hy-Vee as a dietitian in my uh, early years. And um, I had a friend there and I just messaged her and I said, do you think I could bring you some soup? And like, you know, if you find some that you like, you could show it to a manager or two, you know, they're really well known for carrying a lot of local products. I knew, I know their commitment to local. Um, and so I thought it was, there is worth a shot. She was working at Papillion at the time, which is like a neighborhood I don't know a lot about. I'm Midtown Omaha. So I was like, well, (laughs) okay. Well, she did not do what she said she was going to do. And she didn't tell me what she was going to do. So I show up with like this cute little gift pack or whatever, thinking I'm just having like lunch with a friend. And she walked me into the director's office. Oh, wow. So I had like an off the cuff director interview and his name's Dan Fuller, and he is, like, a visionary person. Um, he he looked at me. He's like, I want to sell the best of everything, and I don't care if it's not a high V brand. Like, I want – if you make the best soup, I want to sell it in my store. And um, he liked my stuff, so he brought, he brought a – called me and asked me for more. 
he brought it to the director meeting the next week and fed it to all the directors as their lunch instead of catering in the normal thing. And he's like, I want all of your soups. <laughs> Bring them. And then they all started calling me. I had gone out of town that, that weekend and I come back and celebrating a wedding anniversary and like my phone had just like exploded when the, I got a signal <laughs> and there were all these like, directors calling me. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, I owe it to, it's people. It's just people, but Hy-Vee, um, every store is a little different um, to their credit, but that's why the shopping experience might be a little different from store to store. As a foodie, I find that very exciting because I'm like, oh, what, what's this Hy-Vee have in their cheese aisle or, you know, what's their butcher got today? And, you know, um, so for just from a shopping perspective, I love what they do. But um, for me, you know, I was every store kind of wanted a little do things a little differently. Some had an idea of where they should place my stuff and some wanted all the products and just see which one sank or swim or whatever. And others just wanted to go off the sales at another store and say, give me the top six that sell there. And so it's relationships. I had to like learn about each of their stores and their customers. So I started doing like little soup demos and make it soup in the store. And I'm like, watch, like literally I dumped this into a kettle. I added water, come back in 20 minutes and you can try my soup. This is it. This is how you make it. And the customers like that. And some of them still like message me on Facebook and stuff. And they're like, Megan, I remember I met you your first week and oh. at the store. And they're just amazing. Um, so hy V, I I would say to any, like any small business person that wants to be a hy V, you know, just go talk to them, get to know their store. Like when I went into the stores, I was looking at what other things I could help them sell, you know? Like my soup would go great over here because <laughs> you could set it, you know, and they were, they were doing the crackers and stuff like that with it at first, but, um, the sky's the limit. Like the risotto line, put that over by the seafood. If you can saute a few shrimp or scallops or whatever, that's amazing with the risotto or, um, like the deli, like, you know, the jambalaya, just all you smoke sausage, just chop that up, put it in there. So they started like pulling that and putting it next to the jambalaya when I do a demo and. They'd sell all their all their smoked sausage. So, um, yeah, it's a very complimentary relationship we have and um, love being a part of it. It's It warms my heart, and it's paid my bills. <laughs> now, as we wind down here, I, I have to ask about the future of your companies because I think the amazing thing is we've spent the last 55 minutes basically talking about how successful these two businesses are. It feels impossible to say they're each less than three years old. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're still very much in their infancy. There's mm -hmm. so much untapped potential, even with yeah. all that you've done. Yeah. So when you look at Gravy Train and Omaha Soup Company, what, what do you see as the future? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I can imagine a lot because of what I've seen. Um, Gravy Train, honestly, like I really, I really want to see that grow and have like mobile locations, you know, um, I look at like scooters, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, gravy trains should have little huts all over the place. <laughs> what? And um, I would be really interested in helping people become franchisees with that because there's something about having like a mom and pop biz where you can feed people and like make your own hours and, you know, just become, live the life of carnies, you know, <laughs> like just work on the weekends or just work in the summer on weekends. It's really cool. So I see a lot of potential there and, um, look forward to helping other families become part of what we do um, and growing it that way. But um, with Soup Company, oh my gosh, I like my mission to get people cooking and make cooking easy. It's just 
exploded with Soup Company because Scott's always like, we need more stuff. So he wanted dips first. He's like, make me some dip lines. I loved, he's a party guy. He loves to go to parties, pool parties all summer. So he's always wanting dip. So I was like, well, what if we make it into a dressing line? So our dips um, all can be made into salad dressings. So it's like, okay, you throw the soup on, you toss together a salad, you make your own, you know, it just gets people into that, that level of cooking that most people aren't, you know, don't feel like they can make their own salad dressings. And then, so I have fun with it. I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's a good spice rub too. Have you ever thought about rubbing this on some salmon or chicken or pot roast and, uh, so there's like enormous potential with our spices and our, our dressing line that I just, I could spend the next five years doing that. Never get tired of it. It just makes cooking so fun, so accessible. Um, I've made cocktails, kids. Uh-huh. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, like I have sangria starters and fun little things like that that, you know, you just, it's like, okay, now you've got the appetizer, the dinner and the drink, but um, that the packaging and everything's kind of, kind of a hassle. So we haven't really pushed it. Um, but there's, there's so much more that we can do with Omaha Soup Company. And some stores have like expressed interest in making us like a store brand. And that idea is really fun for me. Um, just the idea of like really customizing to a certain demographic and cooking for an audience, you know, if you know who your people are, you can get so much inspiration about what kind of dishes they want. Um, and then, like, recently we've we've been picked up by restaurants, so I had to create a restaurant line, which was super fun because I got to use my cooking chops and, like, my professional cooking chops to um, translate this home cooking concept. And you think about, like, just the, the crisis we're in with restaurant staffing um, and just space, like, if you are a food truck or you're, a, like, a commercial kitchen. And so my products are really small because they're dry and you just add water and mix it up and boil it basically or less um so we we've had a lot of fun with that and i actually created some custom items for like omaha dog bar so they were bringing in um carter and rye's um breakfast pies, yes. yeah the breakfast hand pie and i was like well what if we made a sauce for you and leah and katie were like what it will bring bring me what are you thinking and so um i ended up making them like a custom like gravy sauce for that that was really yummy um and they did that last winter and so I don't know what we'll do this year they're kind of working out their menu right now um you know different things like that um spices custom spice blends for restaurants and um cool greens brought our soups in so they didn't have they had one soup on their menu but they didn't really have the equipment so I got to help them purchase equipment and like figure out how it would work in their space and man, that's fun. (laughs) So like, I don't know, just helping other businesses and taking like all the ego out of cooking and just cooking for people. Um, Soup company has a ton of potential with that. And so does gravy train. And it keeps me excited. I know. I don't think that it's pretty endless, honestly, (laughs) what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're up against the clock here. I could talk to you all day. You are fascinating. Nice. You have you, We have a shared love for food. Yes, I think I've found someone who loves food more than I do, which <laughs> is rare, but I love those people tremendously. And I started this episode off by saying, you started these two businesses. You still have a regular job. How do you do all this? It's become, over this last hour, very evident how you do it. You are passionate, like beyond passionate, 
And you just have so many ideas and you're constantly pushing, you're constantly trying, you're constantly evolving. I'm pretty convinced that by the time this episode releases, you'll have like two more lines of products (laughs) in stores already. But regardless, Megan, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This was a true pleasure to get to meet you and tell your story. And I would encourage anyone follow Omaha Soup Company and Gravy Train Omaha on social media. Stay up to date on what these places and what Megan's doing because Man, there's some really cool stuff. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. And Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.